he went one way, I went uh, another, and then one minute later I heard the big bang and I went back and I saw him. He was, he was, he was actually dying. So that that vision uh, is never actually um, goes away, um, and I've yeah, it will stay with me for for the rest of my life. My name is Barney and welcome to Moments of Clarity. My next guest is Riley. Riley has lived a tumultuous life. Riley grew up in Kurdistan or Iraqi Kurdistan and he didn't know anything but war, but conflict, but fear growing up. But this didn't cause Riley to be a man full of hate and pain and suffering. It actually led Riley to be a man that is kind, caring and loving I won't go too deep into what we talk about today because I'd like you to uncover his story as I did. Raleigh offered many insights in life and allowed me to see a perspective I haven't seen before. So without further delay, I bring you Raleigh. Raleigh, welcome. Thank you. Um, Thank you for having me, um, Barney. No worries. No worries at all. I wanted to start off with a little story about how we met. And I don't know if I've told you this story, but we met at soccer training or football training, the world yep. game. Yep. And I was, we were doing laps and I remember you running along and, and joining in. And yep. as the sort of captain of the reserves that I am or was, I always went up and introduced myself to the, yep. to the new uh, players. I've got the vision right now, actually. <laughs> and um, you were wearing an Inter Milan top. I remember that. Exactly, yep. I remember saying, G'day, name's Barney, and you're like, uh, Raleigh. And I said, oh, cool, in my mind. And then, anyway, we ran a lap. We probably chatted a bit. Yep. And then a few of the boys were like, who's that? And I said, oh, Ra- it's Riley. And they're like, Riley? And they're like, yeah, yeah, he's got an um, interesting accent. And I said, yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's Riley and he's Irish. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. But because, you know, when you're it's jogging little... laps, you're not really listening properly. Yeah, yeah. But I couldn't be much further from the truth, Riley. Yeah, yeah. So I don't normally start off like this, but in this context it may be important in our conversation yeah. to come. So what is your... Background, ethnic background. Yes, um, so I am Kurdish. Um, so I just wanted to introduce, uh, like you know, the Kurdish, and also like explain what's um, what's the uh, the Kurdish race are and what's uh, where we are located. Yep. So the Kurdish people are um, we are the population of the Kurds are about forty to forty five million people, wow. and uh, across four countries. Uh, so we've got um, so Kurdish from Turkey, Iraq, Iran, Syria. So I am from the Iraqi part, which uh, we've got a um, we've got a region called um, Kurdistan region, Iraqi Kurdistan region, and uh, it's it's basically like you know it's got its own government, its own parliament, its own rules, and its own like and everything's like you know it's, it's ruled by the Kurds. But we are still belong to um, Iraq. It's uh, in in a way. It's it's kind of similar to the Hong Kong and like okay. you know, so what it's like. You know, they have their own um, country, their own um, parliaments and government, but they still ruled by um, the Chinese. It's a similar sort of an independent, independently ruled yeah. 
region of an, a nation, another yeah. nation, yeah. another nation state. Yes. And then we've got, yeah, as I say, like, you know, we've got uh, the Kurds from Turkey and Iran and, and Syria as well. So um, I have got a lot of, like, um, uh, I've got I've got a fair bit of um, Turkish friends. Um, you know, they're lovely, so I don't have anything against uh, the, the people. But uh, the K- Turkish governments are actually, uh, it, it's it's one of the, the worst government against the Kurds. Um, they have always been against the um, the Kurds. So unfortunately, in the Kurds in in Turkey, they're not allowed to speak Kurdish, or they're not allowed to um, even say they are Kurds. Um, they basically called, or we are basically been called wild Turkey. So we don't we we they don't so wild Turks. Um, so we don't even um, yeah. So we are we are not even Turkish. We are. Wild Turkish. So, wild. Yeah, wild Turkish. So, and, um, and there's almost considered a terrorist group from the Turkish government, is that right? Well, and, and um, there's, or a the, group the, of the, there's a group, yeah, there's, there's a group um, called uh, PKK, mm. um, PKK, um, and they are yeah, just, uh, just a group that they are fighting for the Kurdish freedom. Um, in the eyes of a Kurdish, um, I don't see them being a terrorist um, because they haven't killed any civilians. Mm. They only fighting the government and the um, the armies and and they basically defending themselves. But um, Turkish propaganda and the Turkish government they have made a lot of um, you know news about that. The Kurds, yeah. uh, the, 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 the PKKs have been killing innocent people or like you know and uh, there's not any proof. Like yeah. you know they don't have any proof. Only like you know just what they're saying. But we could actually say the Turkish government are terrorists because we have seen. In the eye, like you know, on our own eyes, like you know, we have seen that they have killed um, innocent, innocent Kurds, like an innocent people. So we've got, we've got all the evidence, but um, but uh, unfortunately, it's uh, they are too powerful, you know. The Kurds are a group, a nationality, an ethnic group of people that are one of many around the world that are basically homeless in a sense of a nation. Is that right? Well, they are the – so we are the biggest nation without a country. Mm. So we are the biggest nation, which is, as I say, 40 to 45 million people without a country. So And a nation is – Sort of a, a heritage, a language, yeah. a, a culture, yeah. a race, a race yeah, a of race. people that together we normally call a nation like the nation of Australia, but really Australia is so diverse mm. with its population, mm. and it's a, it's yeah. a nation state. It's a yes. state more yeah. than a nation. Whereas the Kurds are a nation mm. without borders, yes. without yes. their own. That's, that's very true. Um, yeah. So World War One, the French. Thanks to the French and the English, they actually, um, that's when they divided the Kurdistan, they divided into uh, four parts and um, they never actually, oh, I think I, I think I should go back there and just, just after World War One, they created the borders in Middle East okay. and they divided all the countries and like, you know, they give a lot of like, you know, um, people countries. Yep. The Kurds were the only one who were left out and they, they didn't like, you know, talk to the Kurds or they didn't give them any, any lands or any, any um, country. Instead, uh, they divided all the Kurdish area between Iraq and Turkey and Syria and Iran. So since then, the Kurds haven't had 
any rights in any of those parts. Like, you know, we haven't had any rights to, um, or like, you know, we haven't had, uh, we've been, we've been fighting for our rights and, you know, to have a freedom or, or have a state. So in Iraqi Kurdistan, as I say, Iraqi Kurdistan is very new actually. Um, just after 1991, after Gulf War, uh, they, uh, United Nations gave us uh, an autonomy region. So, it's a semi, sorry, semi-autonomous region. So since then, uh, the Kurds been ruling that area, uh, northern Iraq, three cities. Oh, sorry, four cities. Three of them is ruled by the Kurds, which is um, Erbil as a capital, and Suleimania and Dohok, and also Kirkuk. Kirkuk is uh, the fourth. Um, city of the Kurdish but it's a it's a it's included a disputed uh, area in okay. Iraq so it's not ruled by the um, by the Kurds anymore wow it's not only a major conflict zone but I guess there'd be personal experience and attachment and hurt and pain and and trauma that goes on with a people that yeah. size without a nation so yeah. I'd like to go into your background a little bit yeah. personally yeah. so where were you born I was born in um, in Iraqi Kurdistan and uh, in the city called Suleimania. So I was born uh, 1988, which is the year that the Kurds um, were bombed, gas bombed by Iraqi regime by Saddam Hussein. Uh, it was 1988, and they bombed. I'm going to talk about that because that's a part of a big, big part of um, Kurdish history. Um, uh, they bombed the city of Halabja. Halabja was, yeah, so it was a Kurdish city. Um, they killed instantly within minutes uh, 5,000, 5 to 10,000 people and, and, and around 100,000 people were injured and uh, about 100,000 people were, like, you know, displaced or, like, you know, they, they, they left or... Uh, and and a lot of babies were born at that around that time. Uh, either their parents um, died, and they got adopted by some Iranian uh, families. And now, thirty two years later, now slowly, like in every now and then, like in you know, you'll see a kid or like in you know, a grown up um, man or woman come back to Kurdistan. They look for their family. Because they were a child of wow. Halabja, yeah. and um, they like you know, their parents died from that gas bomb, and so they got adopted from a an Iranian family, and brought up up to now, and now they know the reality that they are actually Kurdish and from Halabja, so they come back to um, that city and they look for their family. So were they brought up? Iranian, Iranian. Yeah, so so there's a lot of cases like that. Yeah. Um, th- uh, recently, there was a guy. He's, um, I think he's like 32 or something like that, or 33, something like you know around that. So he probably would have been uh, under one yeah. year old uh, when the um, the chemical, the gas bomb happened. The chemical, which was 16th of March, which is. So this year would be 32 years. Wow. Um, so he probably would have been a few months when that happens and he was adopted by a uh, an Iranian family and he 
grew up there. Obviously, he he doesn't speak Kurdish. He spoke, you know, Persian with his family, and all these years he's been living as a as an Iranian and like you know as a Persian with a Persian family. But um, now they told him like, yeah, look, you know, this is the reality. You're actually Kurdish from Halabja, and so so you could if if you wanted to, you could go look for your family. So he came back to Kurdistan, Iraqi Kurdistan, and he looked for his family and he found actually his family. Oh, wow. But we had another, like, you know, many other cases, like, you know, a girl that, you know, the same thing happened to her, you know, she found a family. So there's, there's, there are still people actually, um, you know, looking for their family or families are looking for their child. Mm. And also there are a lot of actually injured people from that chemical, they still actually suffering, you know, like, you know, there are still like, you know, kids were born with deformed um, and disability. So, yeah. so, so the chemical has still has impact on the, that, that city. Chemical weapons and chemical warfare, which should be banned, but we know it was used in Syria recently and recently, in other yes. places. Against the Kurds. Against um, the Kurds again, as well. Yeah. Was the original bombing of what city was it called again? Halabja. Halabja. So, so the city of Halabja, um, that's what it's called. And that's in Iraq or in Iran? Yes, in Iraq. In Iraq. Yeah. And was on that during the, the on the border? And that was the, during the Iran-Iraq conflict. Yes. There, yeah, the that war? was the end of end of it. Okay. And um, yeah, so that was that. That's when that happened. Nineteen eighty-eight, sixteenth of March, nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah. So basically, they. I don't know. Like you know, the world actually turned. Uh, turned away from the Kurds like you know no one heard um, anything about the news because um, obviously those countries around us they all like you know kind of consider us as as an enemy or like you know didn't they do know, consider know, you an enemy or, or it's, they, they do they, they do. do so so none of them were like you know that none of them actually reported or none of them mm. talked about this um you know problem and the u.s supported iraq during that yes, conflict as yes, well against actually, iran yeah. yes so even the Western media would have been very uh, blank. Well, like, well they, they wouldn't want to mm, share. No, no. So, the, I mean, if you look at it, if you just write down like, you know, Halabja and the first thing comes up like in a chemical, like, you know, the gas bomb and it's like it, nothing, no, nothing comes up like, you know, as in like, you know, a, a TV station or like, you know, media would have been reporting about it. Like, you know, I've, mm. I've, I haven't seen, uh, I haven't seen any, um, there may be some, but yeah. I haven't seen many and, um, and not many people knows about it. That's yeah. the fact. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, a chemical weapon, something like this happens, um, in a instantly like, you know, killed 5,000 people, 5,000 to 10,000 people. And, uh, a lot of people were suffered and like, you know, but no one heard about it. Uh, so they, they kind of kept it, kept it quiet and, um, mm. no one talked about it. Chemical weapons, which are illegal and uh, a war crime, isn't it? Yes, to, to it be is. used It is. To be used against Kurds. Uh, recently as well as in 88. So you were born in 88 at a time in history yes. that obviously that's really relevant, mm. but was it relevant directly in Slovenia as well? Or uh, No, because it's it's very close city. I think I, I'm not so sure how far, but um, I could... I could just have a wild guess about 30k oh, wow. away. So pretty close. Um, just, really. This is just a wild guess. It's not that far. Uh, but it's not Melbourne it's, to Sydney. We're talking. Yeah, no, no it's not that far. So, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, so it is. It is not that far away. But so mm. Suleimania wasn't affected. And so when you were born, you were born to Kurdish parents 
Yes. In 1988. Yes. What's, what's your birthday? If you don't uh, first of first, 88. First of the first, yep. 88. Yep. I'm first of the second, 89. Oh, really? So first we're not... of the second. Wow. <laughs> but, um, yeah, born in Melbourne. Yeah. Long way away. I want to get to your journey of how you ended up in Melbourne, but to start with, were you brought up, did you grow up in Iraqi Kurdistan or Kurdistan? Yes. Yeah. Um, thank you for um, using Kurdistan because um, as a Kurd, we actually prefer that, um, yep. which is, um, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Oh, just, uh, without I'm me covering all bases. You, but, um, but that's amazing. <laughs> no, that's amazing. I mean, like uh, we still love, um, you know, personally, like, you know, speaking, I love I love all the races and all the different um, people oh, in general. Mm-hmm. I don't have any, like, you know, hate against any races or anything. But but uh, as a Kurd, we, we love to, like, you know, we love to have a, have a state and, yeah. Like, you know, we love to be Kurdish and we love to be, you know, um, our our land should be called Kurdistan. You have this passion and this perspective that we don't get to hear much about, but not only that. So first of all and foremost, this isn't a political podcast or conversation as such. You are telling your story from your perspective and your experiences and that passion is coming out and that passion is there. But as you say, and I know from the club that we played for and the people that, you know, the mutual people that we know that you are a lover of all people and as long as you're respected and and that's you, you respect and make sure that you're respectful of all people. So we know that just from the the get go that we're going to be talking about all sorts of issues that are close to your heart. Mm. So the passion is going to come out and we want that. But just as a disclaimer to say that this isn't a, everyone else is wrong and we're right, this is a, a perspective, but also a perspective that isn't told enough. And we talk about so many people around the world that are basically without a state, without recognition, without the ability to control their destiny and to be have representation. And, that, and that's yeah. what we're, yeah. we're a part of your, your journey. So yeah. you grew up in Sulaimania. Was it Sulaimania? Is that, is that right? Is there... Um, I am actually put in in a corner. So right now I have no idea what it is. We can just say I don't know and then just cut it. This is cut. This is cut. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 thought I thought that there I was, was like a Suleiman, uh, Suleiman Pasha, which is uh, a um, a king, like you know, Suleiman king. It's very uh, actually. Um, we could we could add this. Uh, Suleiman is a city that is actually as old as as the colonization in Australia. It's the same year. Uh, it was built when Australia was colonised by the British. So, so 1788? 80. Or so around that time? Yeah, around that time. Yeah. So, so, so that, that's, that's when, how long we're talking. So that's yeah. when it was a city was founded or that it was... The city was built. Built. <laughs> built, yeah. Wow. So that was just a, just like, you know, probably would have been a, a, a town or a small town yep. and uh, or a village or something like that. Um, and they built, uh, built an, an empire there. So oh, wow. that's what they called it. Baban yeah. Baban Empire. So, did you go to school in? Yes. So I went then? to school in uh, Iraqi Kurdistan or Kurdistan, I should say, um, in Sulaimania. So I went to school. I was in in Sulaimania up until I was eighteen, and then I um, I moved to Australia and moved to Melbourne. And then you moved to Melbourne. What age? So I probably would have been around um, 18 or 19. So So before we go into Melbourne, I want to hear a little bit about your childhood and upbringing. Um, 
So how does the school system work or, or what was life like for you? Do you remember your first house and all of this? Yeah, you- yeah I can't I can't remember that. Um, it's, uh, it's it's actually, <laughs> I don't know, it's uh, it's sad because um, the, uh, being, being, being a Kurdish person and growing up as a Kurd, like, you know, we always were, like, you know, on, on a go. Like, you know, we just had to be ready for the next war or the next, um, mm. yeah, the next invasion or something like that to run away. So you grew up or were born in such a tumultuous time. Was your upbringing sort of dictated or did it have any more sort of major events or things that occurred as a child that, yep. that affected you maybe even into now and into your life? Yeah. Yeah. Th- th- um, as I say, um, I uh, being a Kurd, like in you know, a Kurdish, uh, we always um, have been um, like, you know, in conflict or like in war. So um, growing up in a war zone, so we have to be like, you know, ready to um, to, to pack and uh, not even pack actually, like, you know, because we, we couldn't pack, you know, some of the time we just had to leave the house and just run away for our lives. So in 1990, um, when Saddam Hussein actually um, attacked the Kurds um, in northern Iraq and um, they attacked us. And so we actually fled. And uh, I remember, oh, I mean, like, you know, I was really, really very little. I can't remember much, but um, but I just like, you know, my family used to talk about how uh, we just left the house without any, any, anything, like, you know, taking anything with us. So I grew up in a family where I had uh, two sisters and three brothers and um, mum and dad. So, so I think... Were you the youngest? Uh, I'm the youngest, yeah. yes. Uh, so my mum and my older sister uh, were in a car with um, another family and the rest we were in another car. So we actually went, we, we had to flee for our life, like, you know, because Saddam saying, like, you know, they, they, the regime, they attacked Kurdistan and uh, we were worried about, like, you know, Halabja happened again so yeah. everyone left everyone like you know left um their their home so we left without anything um we were into different cars like you know family friends cars and uh on the way so we had to flee to iran on the way um we got separated so mum and uh my older sister were in their one of the car that they were left behind in Iraq or in, in, in Kurdistan. And we actually continued without knowing back in then there was no mobile or anything like that. So to connect um, or to talk to each other. So we kept going and we went, end up in Iran. And my mom and uh, mom, my older sister uh, got stuck in, in Iraq. Uh, or in Kurdistan, I keep saying Iraq. Well, um, in, in the sort of official political borders of yes, Iraq. Exactly. So just if we want to look at a map, we can follow it along. Exactly. But it's all Kurdistan. Yes, yeah. yes. So they, they got left behind there. We we didn't know what happened to them, so we kind of just thought that's it. Like, you know, it's just happened and, like, we got lost. I was only, like, you know, a couple of years old and uh, I think I remember oh, I, I have a vision um, that I actually I actually lost my family. I was um, picked up or adopted by 
another family for a week or two mm-hmm. um, in that because um, we, I'll show you some photos of that. Um, that uh, It's like, you know, people leaving for their life and it's yeah. like, you know, chaos, like, you know, it's really terrible people crossing mountains. And uh, I remember they used to say, you know, they used to tell the stories that, you know, people used to actually lay, leave their kids behind or babies behind or, or elders, like, you know, behind dying. I have a vision, like, you know, sometimes I don't know whether it's real or just a, just a um, dream or like, you know, nightmare. I have, uh, I've, like, you know, I see, uh, I have that vision that of old men dying along the side of the road or babies being left behind. As I say, I don't know whether this is real, like, you know, real memory or just, just a, um, a vision of like, you know, uh, what they have talked about it. And this is just yeah. Im- images um, stuck in my So is that something that, like, does it haunt you now or is it something that it's a, a memory, like more just a memory that you hold on to? Around this time, yes. March is really important for Kurds. Yeah. You know, a lot of things has happened in, in, in March for the okay. Kurds. Like, you know, that happens in March. Halabja happened in March, like, you know, um, 2003 uh, when America actually, um, uh, they say, invaded Iraq. For the Kurds, we don't see it as invasion because they actually helped us uh, create a, um, a like you know a stable region for ourselves. Mm. Uh, not not a great place, but still like you know better than what we were. Uh, so we don't see it as an invasion. So even like in two thousand three. Um, uh, the Iraqi that war. Was in, that was in, Mar- the, in in March. Yeah. So and now we're uh, speaking in March. Yeah. That's amazing. So <laughs> now we're speaking in March. Exactly. So every everything happened in March. What was the, what is the landscape like? What what sort of territory or, or region are we talking about when we talk about near where you grew up? What's the the landscape like? What is the weather like? What is your memory of all yeah. of that? So it is in a way it's uh it's like you know mountains and like you know it's uh, it's all mountains and like you know really nice uh, green in 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 March at this okay. time it's like you know all spring and beautiful like you know green everywhere uh, mountains and beautiful um, uh, scenery and landscape to be honest it's really nice I could say in some way it's quite similar to New Zealand all right. I have been to New Zealand so the I South like Island uh, yes yeah. yeah very similar to South Island okay. so it's very very similar um, landscape and um, it, it would be like yeah quite quite similar to that so that, that's that's what the Kurdish area looks looks like and 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 the weather would be quite similar to Melbourne I would say you know that where I grew up like okay. you know but I could say it's actually colder in winter and uh, yeah it's a little bit colder and we get snow over there yeah. so in in the city and in in the mountain and the city is actually surrounded by mountains so it's a it's a, it's very very cold in winter so that's the only thing could imagine the beauty though. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's really nice. Do you have a favorite? Do you have? Did you sit somewhere at a, a stage where you just have a view that you remember of, of your town or city or the mountains that is just you hold on to as a a beautiful place or a beautiful moment that you reflect on and look back on. Mm. Yeah, so they are actually like in you know, a really nice, beautiful uh, mountain looking at uh, Suleimania. So it's a, we, I mean, uh, but when I grew up or like, you know, when I was there, there wasn't any road to that, um, to go up, up there to look, look into the city or the landscape. Uh, but we were going kind of like in you know, a walk in half, not even halfway through, just into like, you know, some uh, hills to yeah. look over, over Suleimania and like, you know, um, look at, um, this the city and it's beautiful um but there's there's every time i go out of melbourne 
like, you know, I travel out of Melbourne and come back, I have the same feeling. Oh, like, wow. You know, it's a, As you drive back into Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, driving back to Melbourne. It's just like when I see the landscape from um, outside of the um, – the the city yeah and um i just i just have the same memory and the same feeling to be honest i just i feel like the same thing it's oh, wow. like um yeah and yeah wherever i go um doesn't matter like you know i, th- I think i think um, melbourne has become like you know a big part of me yeah. I, I, I love melbourne and like uh i think i think some way i could say i love it more than Suli. but uh yeah so it will be along that way but but uh, every time i go away it's just like you know look look into um the landscape or like you know just just as as you you get closer to melbourne and you see the landscape or the the, the city skyline and just it just um yeah i just have that the same feeling as going going to Suli. Yeah, amazing. You basically were born in a time of a traumatic time in 88 and then you were two or two or three years old when this happened again Yeah, and you were adopted, well, you were displaced from your family for a while so someone, another family t- took you in. Yeah. Did you have to? Did you get to go back home after that? Yeah, so what happened, like um, obviously my family found me and um, – uh, like and after a couple of weeks, but yeah, so we still stayed in Iran. Into um, so I remember, oh, like as I say, I don't remember much, but um, but we stayed in a school actually in Iran. Okay. So um, as a refugee there, so like you know we were there. But the uh, principal of the um, the school, um, they saw me. They knew that I was like you know really young, and and I missed my mom because I you know obviously at that time I lost my mom because we didn't know what happened to them. So it was kind of like, you know, uh, gone. Um, we didn't know what happened. So I really miss my mom. And so that lady, the principal of that school, they took us on. So we stayed at their place for, I can't remember or I can't say how long, but we were there for, for a good uh, few months. And um, so we stayed at their place. And I remember we had only a... Um, a VH, um, VHS um, tape and I think that probably would have been some family like you know memory or parties uh, that were recorded on it and we were playing in that house and I saw my mom and actually because I was really young and naive I actually swore at my mom probably I really 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 missed my mom yeah. so I just didn't know how to express myself but I actually swore at my mom and said oh that's my you know bloody mom or like yeah. you know, something like that something like that I said oh that's my mom uh, yeah so I, I, st- I we still have that memory I actually I actually remember that yeah I, that, that's something that, that I still remember um, and the family the family is still talking about that so oh, wow. uh, but but over uh, after that we I think when things got a bit um, you know settling down and like you know uh, there weren't uh, much fighting or I think US or the United Nation interfered there and they stopped um, Saddam regime from um, attacking further so and then 19 so we went back home and uh, we stayed there so 1991 so that was 1990 and then 1991 at the same time, seventh of uh, or fifth of uh, March, wow. uh, the Kurdish uprising happened, and uh, against Saddam Hussein regime. So that that's when the Kurds took over that that city and then spread it from there to Erbil and Duhok. So like they took three parts, three cities 
back and since then there were like you know, uh, no fly zone for the Kurds okay. over there so so the Iraqi regime couldn't like you know, attack us anymore so there was some kind of protection from the United Nations so we 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 had a bit of a um, stability there and then i think that that's that's when Iraqi government were under sanction uh yeah so so, so international sanctions yeah, on in, Iraq yeah, on Iraq yeah Kuwait is that coming up as well? Is I that... think that was before. So that that was 1990. Okay. So when when they attacked um, Kuwait, and I think that that's when that happens. Like you know, they attacked actually. It, yeah. That was the time when we ran away because they attacked when they attacked uh, Kuwait. They attacked actually Kurdistan as well. Because according, I'm, I may be getting my history wrong here a little bit, but Saddam wanted to ensure that the original borders and states of Iraq in his mind were under Iraqi control. Yes. Is that right? And yep. Kuwait was part of that as yes. well as Kurdistan. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's when the, he attacked, um, if, uh, like, and that was 1990. Yeah. So he t- attacked the Kuwait and also the Kurdistan mm. and, like, you know, he wanted to take back everything. But uh, that's when we run away and okay. we came back. But then 1991, that's when the Kurdish uprising happened. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so as I say, like, you know, we had a bit of a security from the United Nations, but then Iraq got uh, sanctioned from uh, like an international and um, and Kurdistan part, the Kurdish region, were under Iraqi's sanctions. So we basically grow like you know I grew up in two sanctions, like you know the, the, the sanction from you know international on 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 Iraq, and we were under Iraqis sanctions. So we we were growing up no electricity, no uh, there was like you know no services like and then soon after that uh, there was a yeah, massive fight like you know a civil fight between two major Kurdish parties. Okay. Which divided Soleimania and Erbil into two different like you know region yeah within one region so uh so so I, I, obviously i was from the Soleimani yeah, and we, we we stay there so we weren't allowed to go go to erbil because it was a um it was it was um controlled by another party and like you know it was totally against each other so um which was really sad i went like i grew up through that as well like you know no 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 um no service no electricity uh i have a memory uh, that i would love to share which is i still do that every now and then i lay down on a grass here and in in a, in a place where i could see the stars and just look at the stars at night and mm. just just like you know um because we used to back back home we've got a flat roof so we actually in summer it's really hot so we and obviously no electricity back then so we couldn't sleep inside the house so we had to go out um sleeping on uh, on the roof okay. so i remember like in you know, accounting the star stars with uh, like you know oh, like you know brothers and sisters so we would have counted the stars or like you know every now and then seeing a yeah seeing a star moving or yeah, like, shooting, you know, star, like shooting yeah. stars and like uh and 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 like you know seeing a plane like you know going like you know really really 
I, I don't know whether that was a, like, you know, a plane or, or Could have been a satellite, satellite yeah. or something. I, probably it would have been satellite because there was no fly zone. But yeah. we thought it was actually plane. And, yeah. we, and we never actually, growing up, uh, I mean, like, I never had a vision of um, plane. Like, you know, we didn't see planes mm. or choppers or every now and then we would have seen it. But we actually had that scary moment. If it's, every now and then we yeah. see a plane or something like that, we were scared because we thought that was Iraqi regime and in like in a bombing us so we were like oh you know like hide you know every time we were seeing something i mean randomly we would have seen a um a chopper or like you know a plane as i say we didn't see much but every time we were seeing one uh, which probably would have been from un united nations yeah. like you know would have been coming in and in and out yeah because they were the only one who could come in and out uh but we didn't know that so we would have been scared at that but yeah. then we'd be like you know soon soon um we learned that actually was united nation and we could have seen the big un on the chopper on the on the plane and we would have been like in a relief and kind of some kind of like you know happiness you know we would have been happy to see that it's it's not a uh, iraqi regime yeah so what was school like what was it like growing up in kurdish was there primary school and secondary school how does it yes yeah so yeah. it's 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 the same like you know got primary school we've got secondary and like in you know, high school so so i i actually went to two different um primary schools and two different secondary and then uh one high school so because as i say you know growing up we were always you know packing from one place to another we just had to move and be on the move the whole time so to you know go to different schools and different education so there were other incidences that forced you to move as well after the 1991 yeah yeah as yeah. i say as i say like you know there was a like a fighting between the kurdish you know two, two, the, two the, the yeah. kurdish you know two big political parties in in kurdistan and um they were always fighting between those two yeah so so every now and then there would have been like you know a fight breaking and um, yeah and yeah so that that was up up to 2003 when america came and like you know that that's when when the the two small region, uh, which was Soleimani and Erbil, actually united after two thousand, I think it was two thousand five, after the um, uh, after America's um, war or like Iraqi war, I should say. So you grew up, even not only from eighty eight and then ninety ninety one, but through your life you had conflict. Yeah. That you had to deal with and, and experience. Was it always normal, or was it always a sort of a traumatic event? Um, that's a really good question, actually. I don't know what to say for that because I don't know what's... I, I reckon I reckon it just probably would have been normal for us because mm. we didn't know any better. We didn't know what's what's a safe place, like, you know. I didn't grow up having, a, you know, been in a safe place up until, like, you know, I came to Australia. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, after 2003 or four, between then and I left, it was a few years, uh, that would have been a little bit better. Like, you know, there weren't much fighting, but there was casually, like, you know, a bomb blast or, like, you know, a terrorist attack or something like that would have happened or, like, you know, yeah. So it's things like that, that happens and uh, every now and then. And Wow. It's almost something we take for granted that safety, that ability to just not only safety but longevity in where you're going to stay and, and that idea of choice that we don't have to pack our bags and leave. And you hear about yep. the horrible stories of people in bushfire-affected regions exactly. that may have to do Us. it. But this is human-induced. Yeah. 
I, I, I was actually reminded of the same same thing happening. Like in our last bushfire, like last season of the bushfire, we had the terrible bushfires in Australia. I was exactly reminded of the same thing. These families or these people are going through the same thing. But, I mean, you know, different circumstances. But at the end of the day, you know, like they, they actually like, you know, they return into a home that is like, you know, completely, yeah, completely destroyed and like, you know, nothing left and not, no, no memory or no nothing. And which which makes me like, you know, it made me actually feel the same because I was like, look, you know, this is, this is something we've been through many, many times. We don't have any family photos. We don't have any like, you know, we hardly have any. We probably would have been like, you know, the one we have is probably would have been collected from some other families or yeah. someone else but you know we don't have anything like any more memories like you know from from a family because our house has been destroyed many many times and our families uh, or family memories like you know all gone like you know we we many times we left the house and come back with nothing in it or like you know destroyed house so it, I kind of like you know what happened with the bushfires like you know I, I felt I felt the same and and um, yeah I, that was really uh, traumatic and like you know really um, sad to see. What did your parents do? What, what were they? What were their jobs? Or did both your parents work? Uh, my mum was a um, well, she was a teacher, but she never she never actually practiced. Okay, or she never worked. Because she had us, uh, you know, six was, six children. Is that yes, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, I've got one, and I'm like you know already struggling with only one. Yeah. Uh, every now and then I'm like, how how did they just do that, having six um childrens and bringing us up? Uh, anyway, so my mom couldn't work, or she didn't work. Um, she chose to just look after us, and my dad was a um a policeman. Uh, traffic placement, I should say, because uh, there's two different things from there. Like, you know, they have traffic placement, they have placement as in like, you know, uh, just normal duty, um, if I could say that. My, my father was a um, traffic policeman. Traffic cop. So you're growing up and 2003 arrives. That was a big one, yep. So another one of those big March yep. events that yeah. you spoke about. Yep. So what exactly happened? Um, that was really big one. I think that would have been, I don't know, in a way the, would have been the most scariest one because we knew about it, as in the other one we didn't know, it just happened. Uh, but the, the the 2003 event was like, you know, something they were talking about it for years and years and like, you know, we knew, we knew about that would have been happening. So as in like, you know, when to the beginning of 2003 when they were talking about like, you know, uh, attacking Iraq, we, we kind of like, you know, we're like, okay, here we go again. You know, mm. we are, we are, we are trained Building for this. Up, so yeah. we just, we just, we know how to do this. And like, you know, this happens, you know, here we go again. This is, this is something, you know, mm. that happened before and we, we just do it. But as I say, like, it was really scary because we knew that's what's going to happen. And everyone actually got scared because they were like, okay, well, Iraq is, or Saddam saying will be attacking us first, first people. Like, you know, we will be first to be attacked because we actually backed Americans yeah. and Americans actually started their, um, they, they, they attack from uh, one of one of their attack was from Kurdistan. So, and one of their bases were in Kurdistan. So that that, that was really scary. And we thought, you know, we get we get uh, like you know bombed or gas bombed, and uh, another time just like Halabja. So we, I remember we just 
and just building up to that time, that's when uh, we were we were seeing planes coming, and like you know, that was really really scary. We were seeing planes coming in the sky, and that that's a that's a really nasty memory. I still I still actually, and every time I see a plane um, in the sky here, I just it just reminds me of that 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 moment, and that was that that's really scary. I still have trauma to that. Uh, so uh, that we 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 were seeing planes coming and like you know the time and we had to leave. Just as a family, we just we just packed everything and we just we just moved out of the our home again once again, and we just we just had to go uh, into a remote area like you know some um some villages like and as i say kurdistan's all like you know mountains and like you know we have actually a saying you know as a kurd we say uh no friends but the mountains okay Um, so uh there's actually a good book um called that uh which is written by a a a kurdish refugee in manus okay really Yeah, yeah so he's um yeah he wrote a really really good um good book and he's got he's got actually the top prize in australia um last year or the year before oh, wow. so um anyway i'll just, link uh, that i'll definitely yeah, yeah, link you should, yeah. should uh yeah link that so that was um so uh, we have that saying like you know saying you know no friends but the mountains so we actually and it's it's all the mountains there and uh, we went uh we packed everything and we left home and we went to that uh, there was a village uh, by a mountain. My dad um, had some friends, and we just we just stayed there with them. And that's that's when the invasion. Like, oh, I shouldn't say invasion. That's when the attack happened, Iraqi attack, two thousand three. So, and we stayed there for like a couple of months, and then we were like, oh yeah, that's it. It's, it's safe, you know. Iraq's, you know, the regime is actually down, and you know they're not gonna attack us. So we just went back home, and you know, just like a big sigh, you know, like I say, okay, that's it. You know, hopefully we'll have a, have a better life, and you know, this miss mystery will end and like you know we will finally we'll have a, a peace and like you know we'll have a you know a place where we could just live you know freely and um but uh unfortunately that didn't happen it was it was still conflict and you know terrorist attack and car bombs and you know things like that um 2006 i i lost my one of my best friends in a car bomb Mm. Uh, which I uh, I could have been involved, like you know, literally, like you know, we just say goodbye to each other, and he went one way, I went uh, another, and then one minute later, I heard the big bang, and I went back, and I saw him. He was, he was, he was actually dying. So that that vision uh, is never actually um, goes away, um, and I've yeah, it will stay with me for for the rest of my life. But uh, but yeah, so they they just you know the same thing happened and like you know one thing another and just it just kept um building up and um we we had a region as a kurd like you know still we have that region and um but uh it's it's better better than under being under saddam hussein regime but still not still not uh not there yet and uh, we probably will be talking about the referendum and like you know later on um absolutely horrifying story about your friend and having to deal with that as a as a human as a person you know as someone that's the same as all around the world we're all the same and and we often forget that you know being in australia in such a 
safe, affluent for many people place that is so secure. And obviously there's violence that occurs and, and things that occur to, to certain groups and certain people in certain places. But as a whole, we're, we're pretty far removed from the realities of what goes on around the world and we don't get to see it. Mm. And talking to you and bringing perspective from you, bringing your perspective into our world shows that we're not immune to this, that there is harm, harm and cruelty and pain and suffering that goes on all the time. And it goes on all the time with really great people that are, you know, rock up to the soccer club one day. And I, I never knew this history and the, and the, and this story. So to, to come into contact with a person that I see as a great person and want to hear some perspective and, you, and you're living with this. We talk about trauma and we talk about issues that happen in the West a lot of the time, sometimes extreme trauma and events that are horrifying. A lot of the time what we consider trauma is quite sort of low, low down on that trauma rating and, and scale. So when we interact with people from all around the world and interact with anyone actually, we've got to just remember what, what, what is that person holding? What, what is that person living through? Yeah. And what or has lived through? Everyone's got their um, yeah, um, like you know their history or mm. like you know their their story, and um, there's um, there's always um, a story behind every person, and like you know there's there's a there's a different like lifestyle or different different story behind everyone, and we don't know that we mm. don't we don't yeah we, that's why we just don't don't um, shoot in the dark, so we just like you know we don't um, judge. That's yeah. what we say as a code, you know we don't shoot in the dark. Yeah. Um, uh, so, as as um, as you say, like um, don't judge uh, the book by its cover. Yeah. So it's like in the same thing. You don't know what's um, what's you know like the person you sitting next to in a bus or a train or like you know your friend. What's what's their story? Or what's their um their what they have been th- through? And uh, so it's, uh, it's uh, things like this is really important. Like you know to to um, open up and, and talk about it. To be honest, I haven't I haven't I haven't talked. Um, about uh, my story as as big as this um, ever before. Like wow. you know, I have, I have um, opened up, or, or actually, I have made a short film about, like you know, uh, my experience um, first arriving in Australia. But um, uh, I'll show you that as well. But yeah. uh, but um, well, I want to talk about that. But yeah, yeah your definitely. arrival to Australia. Yeah. The when did that happen? When uh, did you? Two thousand seven eight. And yeah. what was your journey? Came Australia, came to Australia as a uh, student, and um, I couldn't go back there as things were just like you know, getting worse and worse. And um, I applied for refugee status and um, kind of um, struggled for quite a while to to gain that. And uh, uh, I had to go through quite a lot of battle to uh, to stay in Australia. And um, here I am now. Are there many Kurds in Australia? Is uh, there a big community? They they say it's about twenty to thirty thousand okay. Kurds in in Australia across yep. across the whole Australia, and also like you know, Kurdish from from all the different parts. Yeah. Yep. So, so, do you have a community of people from of Kurdish people? That... Uh, um, yes, yep. I think so. Yeah, I think there's 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 quite a few community. Yep. Unfortunately, I'm not a part of. Um, 
Yeah, I'm not connected with them. I, okay. I would love to, but um, it's just like, you know, a busy life. I haven't been um, able to yeah. connect. Um, yeah. yeah, because you arrived, you've, you've become an Australian. Is that right? Does refugee status give you permanent residency or citizenship? How does it work? Uh, yeah, well, that, that, there's a process of yeah. like, you know, citizenship or like, sorry, uh, permanency and then, you know, residency. Like, you know, yeah. and, and as I say, like, you know, I had a, I had a real um, battle with, um, okay. you know, uh, immigration, you know, for quite a long time until, you know, until I got those. And, um, yeah, I, I consider myself um, real lucky. But uh, but there's actually one thing I would like to actually point out and, I mean, um, I've been thinking about, uh, like in, in Australia, like we're really lucky and and, and um, it's a very safe country. It's a beautiful country. But at the same time, like, you know, I see a lot of people just take it for granted, mm. which is, um, I mean, like, you know, it's it's not their fault. Um, I, they just haven't, like, you know, they just haven't seen any other way. And, um, like, uh, I don't, like, you know, there are some races and um, I don't blame them as well, but because they haven't they haven't had a had a chat with someone like me or someone like just you and I, you know, having a chat right now. So they haven't had something like that. I'm sure, like you know, those people, if they sit down or they, if they try to open up about just just sitting down with someone and hear their their stories and see what they have been through, and then they probably will have you know a different view or different you know different idea of why people come to Australia. But, but yeah, unfortunately, a lot of people who actually don't know what's outside of Australia or they live in their bubble, they take Australia for granted. They don't know how beautiful this country is and how lucky we are. So you ended up in Melbourne. Did you go to university to start with? Um, I ended up in Melbourne, yes. I uh, studied in uh, Open Channel. It's a a film uh, school. But unfortunately, I couldn't finish it because of just the fee and like I couldn't afford to do the whole thing. So, uh, but I just kept going and like, you know, I just, just met people and, you know, networking and like, you know, making, making friends in the industry and like. Just learn that way instead of studying. I would love to, like, you know, uh, go back to study one day, but but I think you know, um, I'm quite comfortable right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got I've got a job and you know industry and like yeah. you know working in the industry. So even if I have the qualification, I probably will be doing the same doing the thing, same as, thing. I, <laughs> as I do right now. A lot of the time, I I try to talk to people about how they're aligning their values. And actions and how to ensure that they're living a life where they're able to connect what they believe in and who they want to be with what they actually do. Because for so long, I felt that I had a set of morals and a set of ethics and a set of values and I lived another way. And I really struggled to realise why am I feeling a little bit empty about this or why, what is missing? And then when I realised that it actually took a, a fair bit of unpacking to, to realise that I'm being a bit of a hypocrite. I act in this way when it suits me but I say I believe in this. How can that be true? So my intention is to find people that are or working towards or are living in a way that their beliefs and their mindset and their actions actually pan out with the actions that they take 
And I know that you've taken some actions and, and tried to live your life in a way that connects with your experiences growing up and, and telling the story through film, through art of the, the Kurdish people and, and what Kurds are going through. When did that start? Because I know you've, you did a bit of work during the referendum in 2017. Did you start doing a little bit of work prior to that as well? I, I didn't work anything like I didn't make any anything out of it um, except for the short film I made. You know, coming to Australia like in my first experience in in Australia, I made that short film, but I didn't make anything else about the Kurdish struggle. I've been wanting to, but unfortunately, making a film is like you know costs a lot of money and you need a lot of people to help you out. You can't do it by yourself. But for 2017 referendum, like um. So, so they set up a date for the Kurdish to uh, have a referendum in 2017. I think it was 25th of September. And unfortunately, our politician weren't smart enough. They just, they kind of like, you know, came up with this idea just two months beforehand. And if we just go back a few years before that, um, when ISIS actually um, attacked Iraq or attacked a part of Kurdistan as well, they like in Kurdish the Kurdish fighters or the Peshmerga, which that's what we call them, um, were very successful at stopping ISIS or fighting back ISIS. So they um, they kind of like you know, resisted and they helped like you know I, I could say the Kurds actually fought for the world at, mm. at that point because they kind of. Uh, stop ISIS from moving and they would have actually moved to, you know, um, further place, you know, like they probably could have reached Europe as they did. Like, you know, they did, they did, they did reach Europe at some, you know, in some ways, like, you know, they had a, quite a few, you know, terrorist attack, you know, Paris attack and, you know, in, in Germany and other, other, other part of, part of um, Europe they had attacked. Uh, so the Kurdish people like, you know, kind of fought for the world and and the whole world were back in back in the Kurds and they kind of were like you know um, supporting them and they were really surprised by the bravery of the women the Kurdish female fighters you know in Iraq and in Syria as well like you know they we have some I've some, heard about these fighters yeah. so tell me a little bit more about the the women that fought and not only fought but organized yeah tell us a little bit about the so there's actually different groups like you know in in iraqi kurdistan so we have peshmerga and peshmerga we've got actually female and male like you know fighters like you know we've got both women and men fighting against isis in a, another note actually like in the syrian part we had a we had a Really, really like a strong and very resilient, very um, smart women. Like you know, they they had um, they had the whole group like you know just fighting ISIS really successfully, and like you know the whole group or the whole army were um, commanded by a uh, female, and and they were called um, YPJ, I think, or. They have um, they have two groups like you know YPG and YP 
J, and uh, that's one of them stands for the woman, one of them stands for the man, and uh, they both like in the same groups, but they have like in you know, a different battalion or something like that. Yeah. 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 So so they, they they have female fighters, and and they were really successful at um, fighting ISIS. They kicked us basically, and um, so so the whole like you know the Kurdish fighters were fighting ISIS very successfully. They got rid of um, ISIS in Kurdistan, in Iraqi Kurdistan. And at that time, Iraq wasn't sending any uh, any budget to Kurdistan or sub- wasn't supporting Kurdish people or the Kurdish government. They weren't sending the um, budget, which includes the people's pay or like you know a salary like you know they have everything so they did they didn't pay pay them for like a few years so a kurdish people the kurdish government had to like you know sell oils to to pay their the import employers and like uh, so the kurdish government decided to have to hold a referendum for independency so i decided to go back home at that time to to make a documentary about that referendum and see what's going to happen about, you know, the result. Before we go there, what, what inspired you to do that? So you said you always wanted to tell a bit of the story of, of the Kurdish people yep. and the Kurdish struggle. Yes. A landmark moment. What was the first feeling when you heard that this was happening? I, th- I thought when that happened, I thought I thought that would be that's it. Like you know, we're gonna have a country, and this is this is it. This is the point because the world were like you know they all were like you know patting us at the back, like you know saying, "Oh, well done. You know, you've done really well. You know, uh, fighting against ISIS. You were really successful. You know, and you know like they all were supporting in in uh, many different ways." A US ally from. 2003 all the way through yes, as well yeah, yeah. and um so so i thought that's it this is the time when you know we're gonna have a kurdish state and i was like you know i have to i have to make this i have to make this film and i have to I have to actually like you know do it in any cost uh because this is the time it's gonna happen and um it will be a piece of a piece of uh, history so um i thought i'll do that um uh being a um solo filmmaker i was trying to gain some support from friends and um like you know in the in the industry here in australia i wasn't i wasn't successful at gaining any any supports and um there was only one friend of mine good good friend of mine uh, I'm not sure if he's happy to be named or not, so I'm not gonna name him. But um, but he's a uh, my best friend and you know co-worker. We've worked on many films. Um, he actually supported me financially. Like you know, he gave me some some. He funded some of the film, and I had to sell my car and have my saving and buy all the equipments and go back home and uh, start filming. So. Unfortunately, as soon as I start filming there, because as I say, I was just doing solo. I wasn't like, you know, doing as a production. I didn't have anyone behind me. So I just had to do everything by myself. And I started filming without any um, any letters or like... Uh, permits. Permits, yeah. exactly. Sorry, um, I was looking for that word. And uh, so without any permits to film and mm. I, I got caught the first day, you know, like really? I, was, I was starting to... Um, film and they took away all my equipment where was and that where was that that was in Soleimania and oh, um, wow, yeah. I got caught by the Kurdish actually government really not, not even like you know the um yeah so because basically because I was like you know I've, I lived away from Kurdistan for a really long time and they just didn't know 
who I was. Like, you know, I, I've got a um, few IDs, like, you know, as, as an Australian, like, you know, I had to show, but uh, they just didn't know who I was working for and uh, they didn't believe me that I was working for myself and uh, or as a freelancer and I wanted to make a film. But but anyway, they called, they, 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 they took all took away all my equipment and they deleted everything on the, the camera. So that t- took a, uh, a week to give me back all my equipment. And again, like, you know, I just didn't give up. I was just, you know, keep filming and like, you know, uh, here and there and like, you know, hiding my cameras in a way and like, uh, and I was I was almost there. And as I say, the, the, the referendum was held on the 25th of September of 2017 and um after that a couple of days after that when they showed the result it was 93 percent of the people say yes to independency and then as soon as they announced that the iraqi um, government closed all the borders and all the airports so i was kind of stuck in there in, in kurdistan so they closed the borders and i think it was uh, a couple of weeks after that they started to attack Kurdistan with the help of Iran and Turkey. So they started to um, help Kurdistan and they captured 51% of the land, including the major city, which was um, Kirkuk, as I talked about earlier. It's, a, it's in disputed uh, area. So they took that city as well. So and many Kurdish people were killed, and up to this date, they doing uh, ethnic cleansing around that area, and um, they they removing the Kurds or they kicking out the Kurds, and they replacing them with um, the Arabs coming from south of Iraq, and um, they give them a land, a house to to do a farming or whatever or to build up um, their business and um, they're kicking the Kurds out of that area. Wow. Politically, it's amazing how you can get Turkey, Iran and Iraq to cooperate in any way. Yeah. But when it comes to Kurdistan... Yes, that, that's, that's, that's the what one they, area that they will... That's what they actually said as well. They say, well, you know, right now we are under attack. That's what they say. Three major countries thought if a Kurd, like, you know, Kurdish state, like, you know, um, have, like, you know, if we have a country, then we will be against uh, all, or, like, you know, we will be um, a big risk for those countries. Mm. So they were like, okay, let's uh, let's put all our differences aside and let's just work together against, you know, like this, this Kurdish state. Yeah. And that, so that's when they, they sat down and they said, look, you know, we're not going to accept this. And they asked the Kurds to back down all the um, the re- results and, you know, reject it. That's what they asked the government. But the government, the Kurdish government never rejected. They said, well, we're going to freeze it, but we're not going to reject it because this yeah. is people, this is democracy and this is people's um, vote. So we're not going to reject this or we're not going to cancel it. That's what they were actually asking, cancel it. But we're going to freeze it instead. So they've frozen that. But again, like, you know, all the Kurd, like, you know, the, the, the Iraqi armies and Iranian and Turkey, they attacked Kurdistan and they, they took, you know, 51% of the land. So I was, I, was, I was stuck there at that time. How long were you stuck in, in Kurdistan? Yes. There's, there's another story onto it. Because uh, when I left Australia, my wife, Liz, 
was pregnant, only probably five, six weeks pregnant. Oh, wow. Yeah. So did you know uh, when you left? No, no, yeah, we, yep. we we knew it, but we didn't know it, it was will turn up. And, you know, yeah. we didn't know this will happen. Yeah. What happens? I went back to Kurdistan, and then obviously they they like you know all referendum happened, and they closed the borders, and um, I was kind of stuck there, but. We had a plan to see each other, me and, um, like, you know, Lee's my wife, to see each other somewhere in third country in between, like, you know, I was filming. We had a, like, you know, plan to see each other in uh, beginning of October, I think. And that's when I left. I had to go through Baghdad. So I couldn't go, like, you know, out from Soleimani Airport. Uh, I mean, like, I was still went from Suleiman Airport, but we went through Baghdad, yeah. not straight out of the country, yeah. like, you know, a direct flight from Suleiman to um, Qatar. So I had to take uh, Baghdad, go to Baghdad, and then from Baghdad going out. And at that time, I, uh, when I went through Baghdad, I was racially abused really badly in the airport, really badly, and they were... They were asking me to speak in Arabic. And, you know, Kurdish language in Iraq is actually officially, like an official language as well. So I was, I was, I was telling them, look, you know, Kurdish language is um, official. So it's whether you speak my language or we speak English because this is airport and international. So so you just have to decide, like, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to speak English with you or Kurdish. So you decide. I'm not going to speak in Arabic. I don't speak Arabic. I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm I'm um, Kurdish. And uh, again, back to this, you know, like I speak a bit of Arabic, but um, I just wanted to make a point, you know, like um, they were just, they just didn't want me to, they just wanted me to speak in Arabic, you know. So, uh, and and I heard them, they were actually swearing at me in Arabic and making fun of me and like, you know, um, they just stripped, searched me, like, you know, they just searched everything. So I went to Malaysia uh, to see my wife and they kind of closed that border as well. Like, you know, they, they closed that um, point to go through Baghdad as well. So I couldn't go that. Things got really ugly. They attacked it, like, you know, attacked uh, Kurdistan again. Like, you know, they took, you know, like, and they killed a lot of peacemakers and a lot of Kurdish. And and you were in Baghdad still? No, no, oh, sorry, I went to I, Malaysia. I in Malaysia. Yeah. So that's that's. So once you got second. to Malaysia, it was closed. Baghdad yeah, it was, was closed. Yeah. Baghdad was closed as well, so I couldn't get out of get get back in. Yeah. So um, that's when I was telling you before we started recording this. I was telling you, you know, I've got a um, story of uh, Henry and Henry's. Um, Another one of our teammates. Yeah, yeah. teammates. Who's from, um, from Malaysia. Malaysia, yeah, Chinese Malaysian. Yeah. And a, uh, a, a man that I don't know, I, I don't know how we, we describe him. He's like, um, what's the best way? He's like, you know, the best. Uh, oh, he's pure joy, isn't the, he? He's, he's positivity, he's nice. It's, He'll it's sing at the drop of a hat. Oh, it's amazing. He'll he's he's an amazing person, really lovely. And it's not just him, the family. Like, you know, I met, I met everyone in the family. Yeah. So, so I went to, going back, I went to Malaysia, met my wife and for like a week. My wife was, you know, a few months pregnant. Um, so she, she had, she was only there to see me for like a week and then she came back to Australia. I was, I was still there in, in, um, Malaysia. 
so I couldn't go back to Kurdistan. So I was uh, kind of, uh, I, I was kind of stuck, and I couldn't come to Australia because I left every equipment in 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 Kurdistan. Okay. So and I was planning to go back there to finish off, finish all the you know film. I was I was there for like a month, and I, I actually like it after Liz, my partner, left back to Australia. I moved in, staying with Henry, and uh, so we lived in the same house for like um, wow, uh, almost a month. Were I you waiting say. for the borders to be yeah, open back yeah, to back? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I, I didn't know. I was I was thinking maybe it would be a week or two or three. Like, and I was I was, I was like, and I was saying maybe it's just better to wait and. And was it purely distance that you didn't come back to Melbourne or was it to do with uh, a visa requirements? What was the no, issue? No, it just – it was mainly I I knew if I come back to Australia, it would be quite hard and the distance would be really hard for me to go back to Kurdistan. Yeah. And mainly, as I say, uh, because of the flight I've booked and also I was, I was thinking about if I – if I actually come back to Australia, it's kind of left, you know. I left all the equipment yeah. on all the project there. But if I stay there, and as I say, you know, I thought probably it would be like a week. Yeah. And then, you know, a week became two or three or like, you know, four. And I was like, ah, oh. so I, I was staying with Henry and Henry, I met his family, a lovely, lovely family. Like, you know, um, when, you know, we had a few dinners and lunches and they cooked for me and, uh, they just just amazing how they feed you and like you know they just they just it's so respectful so a beautiful family um that's why I just wanted to mention Henry here because I thought you know he's um uh, and it shows that the the connections you make at a sporting club and, yeah. and different clubs and people from around the world we had yeah, people exactly. from everywhere that yeah. and Iraqi people we had we people had, from we had, everywhere yeah, that we had connected actually, actually, and, yeah, and we had we had Iranian um, we've got Ira- we had Iraqis we had actually Turkish in that club yeah. as well like you know we were all friends and, and like to be know, friendly while this is going on back in in at home in yeah, a way like yeah. where everyone was from you had these people that not only backgrounds but were born over yeah. there coming together and playing on a team and yeah. being really connected and and strong in that camaraderie. So it, it just shows humanity always wins exactly. if given the exactly. opportunity. Yeah. And yeah. also, you know, if, if we don't um, involve um, politics, to politics, be honest, you yeah. know, politics is... Uh, well, just uh, to go back on that politics, the idea of Turkey, Iran, not only with, and Iraq, not only afraid of a Kurdistan that is strong, but also the fact that once you lose a little bit of land and gain, give someone independence... Then other areas that you, that don't have minority groups will I'm, maybe. Potentially... I'm really glad you actually um, went back to that point because that's really important and that's actually true. That's mm. the whole reason because they worried about like you know, if there's a there's one state or one Kurdish state or one country like you know uh, declare independency, uh, then their part will will ask for the same thing. Yeah. And then that that's a, they will lose you know and it part spirals. Of their... You've given it to one, so that's what China so, so, is really doing right now. Exactly. With, and and Spain with Catalonia. Catalonia yeah. 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 Actually, Catalonian um, referendum happened at the same time actually wow. as uh, Kurdish. Um, uh, referendum. I think they were on the first of October, actually. Yeah. So this isn't a Middle Eastern problem. This yeah, is a global that's, that's issue, and even Scotland, a bit different. Yeah. They've, uh, there's a bit of more of a representation and democracy. It's a bit more civil in some ways than Catalonia or Kurdistan or parts of of China, mm. but it's still people want their identity and yes. want to be able to 
have representation and culture and language that is respected and, and you're – I mean – as Australians, I'm not overly nationalistic, but it still feels great to be able to watch your sport, your team play in sport, or or to realise you're a national. You've got a people that are there to support you exactly. and come together. Belonging, a be- sense like of belonging, a, just like sense not of belonging. necessarily to look at the flag and yeah. and hold your hand in your heart and say I'm the best, but just to say I belong to this world, yeah. but I'm also belonging to this group. Just a sense of yeah. belonging. That's exactly that's very true. Very true. That's um, that's yep. You're in Malaysia. Your equipment's in Iraq, in Baghdad or in Kurdistan? No, in Kurdistan. And it's there waiting for you to continue filming or you're finished? Yeah, yeah no, no, continue filming yep. because I wasn't finished and I was I was planning to like, you know, do more and a bit of more interview and things like that. So I, I eventually like, you know, borders like, you know, opened and I went back. Um, whilst I was waiting, uh, I have to mention I had to, you know, I, when I was in Malaysia, I just actually pop into a few different countries around there and, like, you know, did a bit of holidaying. And I was, I was like, you know, whilst I'm waiting, I may as well just, you know, enjoy the time. Yeah. But then eventually they, um, they let, like, you know, they opened the borders or, like, you know, through, through Baghdad still. So I went back. There were flights and I went back through um, Baghdad again. Again, like, you know, I was humiliated, like, you know, the whole way, you know, the whole time like you know they were like where have you been what have you been doing and why are you going back and what are you doing and all of these questions and I was just at that point I was so tired and so um uh, I just didn't um give a damn about anything I was like look you know I'm just going back there and um you just you could do whatever you want and and to be honest at that time actually they were arresting people who even voted in the referendum so and and when you actually uh, vote in Iraq or in Kurdistan you have to like and they they put you have to put your fi- finger into an ink like you know oh. they, there's a mark so they they knew I was voting for it like and they could have actually arrested me but um I just had to say, look, you know, I, I, I voted, you know, differently. So um, you, I, I was just saying, like, you, know, you never know what, what I voted for. So, so you know, you can't, you can't arrest me. But also, like, you know, being Australian, like, you know, they couldn't do that as well. So, but the humiliation was still there. So, yeah. but they couldn't arrest me. Anyway, I went back and continued filming. I was um, doing a bit more interviews and, like, I had to come back. It was March 2018. Uh, my wife was due to deliver the baby, so I just had to make a decision and leave. So, and the borders were still closed, so I had to go through Baghdad. Now, I was having a bit of backup on my cards, and f- one mistake I made, I didn't leave those hard drives back home. But I just didn't know what's gonna happen. Whether I, if I leave it, like, and I'm just gonna stay, stay there, and when I will be able to get it out. So I just didn't want to leave. I took it with me, and you know, I had different packaging or different luggage, I should say, and put it in a different luggages. And I thought, you know, hopefully, you know, it'll be fine. But when I arrived in Baghdad, they just, as soon as they saw the camera, they just, you know, took me aside. You know, they checked every single thing I had in in my luggage and myself. Obviously, I had to, you know, strip naked, you know, so they had to go through everything. So they took all my equipment and they, cameras, cards, like uh, memory cards and um, USB hard drives and all of this. Everything was taken from me. So I kind of like, you know, 
wasted all this time, all this, you know, film, like, you know, nothing, like, you know, that, that means, like, you know, I did nothing. I had one bits and pieces of um, filming from here and there saved on um, someone's laptop over there. Like, you know, I've got a bit of, like, you know, filming here and there, but that doesn't make any, uh, like, I can't make any film out of that. So I've lost everything and I came back to Australia the day I arrived the next day we had the baby. So Oh well, you made it for that at least. So I made that. And yet. was that a March baby? March so baby. So another everything March. happened in March. Yeah, <laughs> Kurdish, yeah. So Wow. Um that's why I um named him um a Kurdish name. So like you know I just got a uh, because that means a lot to me. So yeah. being a Kurd, yeah. How does it feel to you made a Massive sacrifice, really, not financially, but asking uh, a friend to help support you and then spending so much time overseas and working really hard to collect stories. What was the purpose of the filming? What was it going to actually look like? We don't have the film and the interviews here today, but what was something that you took from that that exactly. you, we can share? That's very good questions. Um, so it would have been different. Like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't actually taking a side into that i just the way i was um filming this or I, I had a plan in my my head um i thought i thought i'll make it in a way that i'm not a kurdish person you know not a kurdish person made that film i just wanted to see different like in a side of it the the yes side of it and the no side of it why people wanted to have independency and why people decide to say no. So I just wanted to make it that way. So mainly I, I interviewed people who were like, you know, touching base on saying, yeah, you know, my fathers and grandfathers and brothers and, you know, uncles and families, like, you know, all, or mom and like, you know, aunties and things like that, sisters fought for freedom, like, you know, Kurdish freedom or Kurdish right. And, um, this is the day we can't let it go and this is the opportunity and like you know we have to we have to grab it um so so we had people like that saying no you know we definitely have to say yes you know this is a this is definitely yes but then we had a people who were saying um i don't know what to say like you know i just i i, I can't say i can't say yes because at this time is uh it's really hard to have a state because we've got all the enemies around us, which is, I think, in a way, they were kind of right because, you know, we didn't have uh, the support of any other countries. You know, like, you know, the, the, the Kurdish politicians, they thought, okay, well, this is the right time because all the worlds and, like, you know, uh, Americas and, like, you know, Britons and all the countries, uh, they actually, you know, have been supporting us uh, against ISIS. So I'm sure they will support us, you know, having an independency. And I think in a way they were, they, it looked like they were actually supporting, but as soon as the Kurdish, you know, were saying, no, we're just about to have a referendum for independency, and they actually decided to say, no, we're not going to back you up. So they, uh, the, again, you know, the whole world actually turned, turned uh a blind side on on the Kurds, and they, they just turn around and they say, "No, we're not going to support you." So, so that that's another way. Like you know, the, those people said we're saying no because they see, you know, they they saw actually the vision, which was, I think, in a way, they were right. You know, that's exactly what happened. They were like, "Look, you know, um, this is not never going to happen." And and those people were very certain. They were like, "Look, you know, next year this time you come back to me, you know, and then we will see what's going to happen." 
nothing. It would be worse. And they were actually right because in the result of the referendum, we lost 51% of the land. I mean, I still, I still, uh, and and I should say, actually, there were people in the mill like myself. I wasn't sure. I was like, that's very true. All my family's ancestors fought for this, including myself, fought for having a right of freedom, like, you know, just like, you know, just have a free country to live. Uh, And half of me were like, that's actually true. It's not a right time, you know, like, um, you know, we don't have any support from anyone, like, you know. All the countries around us, they actually against us, and you know they they are not like democracy, like and they don't have um, democratic country or government saying, okay, well, no, I think I think you guys deserve you know having a country. So I was kind of like you know, in between, you know, I was kind of uh, I didn't know what to say, but at the same time, I was like, I can't say no because if this goes ahead and like you know we have a country. I will feel bad for the rest mm. of my life because I say no mm. and, you know, I won't be a part of that history. So the film was just having all the different aspects of yep. the, the things, not just taking one side and saying, oh, yeah, no, you know, it should be just, you know. So we, I, I was like an interview in all the different people and, and, and actually like, you know, I filmed some Iraqis as well. Like, you know, they had opinions uh, which they were living in, in Kurdistan. You know, some of those, you know, the Arabs, like, you know, the Arab refugees down from south of Iraq or from Mosul, like, you know, the, the place where ISIS, you know, attacked. Um, they were saying, like, they had a mixed um, opinion about it as well. Like, you know, some of them were saying, no, Kurdistan should, you know, have a country or the Kurdish, you know, have a country and, you know, they deserve it. And and there were people were saying, no, you know, they shouldn't. You know, we are we are Iraqis and we all, you know, the same and we are united and we just, we should be one country and the country shouldn't be, you know, cut again. That's what So it was saying. almost a, a pro-Kurd people but just not for independence, some of those points of view from Iraqi people, wasn't it? So it was that idea of... We are one. Well, uh, yeah. So, so, so uh, as I say, you're like some of them, yeah, were like that. The Iraqis, like mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they had they had mixed feelings. Like, and as I say, some of them were saying, "No, you guys definitely deserve having a country," and some of them were like, "No, we are the same yep. nation." And like, you know, we shouldn't. And I, I don't know, I don't know whether they were like you know the hardcore or the like you know the the, the people who were against the Kurds or not because at the time they were actually living in Kurdistan so i guess they couldn't they couldn't say you know anything anything harsh they they probably felt threatened or something like that or, yeah or even well, um thankful that yeah, they had a yeah, home you know yeah. something like that so yeah. so i mean like you know the, the people could have been who said way, yeah. yeah either way so we didn't know like you know we didn't know so that's why i just wanted to make a film that about yeah. you know taking all the different parts yeah. like you know talking about everyone and like everyone films and see what's 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 gonna happen and and i was hoping like you know at the end it would be like you know okay yeah there we go this is the country and like you know it's democracy and like you know and the kids you know living all um, peacefully and, and now they have some some Arabs live live there as well like you know peacefully and it's actually true like you know there's there's about one million Arab uh, refugees live in in Kurdistan and they they live like in you know, a really you know comfortably I could say you know I mean you know just amongst, same, say, yeah. am, amongst the others and like you know uh, the Kurdish you know open their arm for others because we've been through so much ourselves you know like now now we we have opened our, our arms for the, the the Syrians like you know it doesn't matter if they are Kurdish or 
or Arabs or Assyrian or different, you know, backgrounds, the Kurds actually have accommodated for everyone there. And as I say, like, you know, the Kurdish population in Iraq or the Kurdistan, uh, it's, it's about five to six million people, but they have 1.5 million refugees there. So it's like, what's the ratio? It's like a one to five or one to six, mm. you know, people. So it's, it's actually quite, you know, quite big. Over there, so I had I had the opinion about like you know, I got the opinion from everyone, but unfortunately, like you know, everything is lost. And then coming back to Australia, um, the only like the only positive uh, thing was for me was just like you know coming back here and to my wife and to to see my my um, my son. And like you know, I was lucky to make it here. And um, you know, just one day before he was born. I just have to acknowledge, give credit to my um, awesome wife, you know, to to go through the whole pregnancy all by herself. And um, she did an incredible job there uh, without my support and she did, you know, an amazing job and, you know, by just doing the whole journey by herself and without my support, um, I've got a lot of respect for her but not just just for her for for women in general because you you don't know how strong or how resilient and powerful women are until you see them in a, a labor i think i think that's the most powerful time when you see them yeah so women's are like an you know, amazing in general but that's when you see see the true like you know bravery and amazing uh what they go through we as a man will never ever feel that pain mm. or like we'll we'll never experience that that yeah. and um, only women could you know um yeah could do it could do possibly it. could yeah it's, it's it's amazing you're now a father raising a child in melbourne compared to the, you being raised in sulemania are there lessons that you want to ensure that your child has like to ensure that your child is protected from as well how do you balance being australian being kurdish growing up in the way that you did and then also sheltering your child as well you know all of these sort of imbalances or, or very polar opposites how do you align them I'm actually quite glad you actually touched base on that because that's really important. At the moment I'm going through, I'm trying to learn a lot, you know, about how to bring up a, a boy or it doesn't matter, like, you know, a boy or a girl, but in my case I've got a boy. So I'm, I'm actually learning quite a lot or I'm still, like, in trying to learn. It's a big, big task bringing up a kid uh, without family support. Uh, but at the same time it is... I don't know. I mean, I think he's very, very lucky to be here. And I, I, I see him every day and I, I tell him or I remind myself how lucky he is. But at the same time, I feel bad for him because I am actually forcing him to, you know, like I speak to him in Kurdish most of the time or I tried, you know, like, you know, to speak to him in Kurdish. I I just want him to, 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 to be able to um, speak, you know, my language or speak, you know, Kurdish, it's very important for me because he's, he's, he's half Kurdish. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very important, uh, but it's, it's, it's actually quite hard as well. It's not easy on him. Uh, and some, sometimes he get, 
he gets actually confused, like, you know, it's too confusing and, like, you know, he's under two now and, you know, I'm speaking in, sometimes I speak Kurdish or sometimes I speak English. So he's kind of get confused sometimes by me. But at the same time, uh, as I say, like, you know, he's he's very lucky to be in Australia and I, I, I keep reminding myself and how great it is for him to be able to go to childcare and, like, you know, have a – hopefully, like, you know, he will be attending kindergartens and, like, you know, prep and school and, like, and all of this. It's just, like, you know, it will be such a good experience in Australia for him and I think – I think he's very lucky and um, sometimes I'm, I'm thinking about how, you know, I like, can you know, compare myself or my life to him. It's totally different but I think, you know, I think I just want him to understand what I've gone through. Obviously I can't do that now because he doesn't know that but but when he's he's able to understand or like, you know, when he's talking – probably will be you know sitting him down and tell him all the stories and, and and teach him how to appreciate what he has here and like you know not to take anything for granted because when I was his age exactly too I was I had to you know cross the border and like you know leave leave the country and like run away you know um to a different country and you know not having mum for a few months uh, I hate to think Ari would be without uh, his mum for even a night or two to be honest, because he's so connected to his mum. And and I was, I was, and I'm still, like, you know, connected to my mum. My mum means a lot to me and I've been away from her for a really, really long time. By the way, 2017 was the only, the first time I went back after 10 years oh, to wow. see my family. Really? And yes, that was, that was after 10 years to see my family. Mm. But, yeah, so um, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, like, you know, to bring up, a kid in Australia comparing his life to mine and every day that that's like, you know, that that's something, you know, I think about it and, you know, how different it is. There are times when I just totally forget about it, but most of the time I'm just like, no, I'm very cautious about the way I interact with him or like I just want to, you know, like at some point hopefully when he's, when he understands, you know, I'll be able to, you know, explain to him what I've, I've gone through and, you know, what's what's life would have been for him if he was growing up in in, in, in my country or like, you know, in uh, in the time, at the time mm. when I was born. So it's, uh, it's very important and hopefully one day I'll be able to, you know, tell him that story. Beautiful. The name of this podcast is Moments of Clarity and I always finish off each conversation with asking my guest, what is your moment of clarity? Well, just the fact we we kind of talked about all my life basically, like um, in a shorter version, it is actually a moment of clarity for me. And um, I think I think um, now I tonight I probably will be thinking about this um, and kind of reliving all my you know thirty plus years and uh, just just thinking about the highlight and what I've been through there are times when I actually forget about what I've been through and what I have seen and uh, it's also it's, it's really good to be reminded of um, of the past uh, moments like this is really important because it just tells you who you are 
the past few months has been a bit hard for me to uh, think about that. I I really appreciate you actually having me here and you know and remind me of myself and my story and what I have gone through. The pleasure is all mine, and honestly, thank you for sharing and for being so open. And I didn't really give you any indication of what we were talking about today. So for you to come in and and to be so open and honest and and brave and to share your story has been beautiful. So I thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thanks, Charlie. Charlie. If you enjoyed the conversation today, please subscribe, share with your friends and family and leave a review. If you'd like to contact me, provide feedback or have access to someone you believe could be a great guest on the podcast, please send an email to momentsofclaritypodcast at gmail.com. My name is Barney and thank you for joining me on Moments of Clarity.